Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Nerdkind podcast. My name's Imran, TJ Sutherland, Dan Collicott, with new episodes released on the first and third Mondays of the month. Catch Close Encounters of the Nerdkind podcast at foreverinelectricdreams.com. Welcome, gang. Howdy, howdy, howdy. You're tuned into another episode of the Close Encounters mini cast. Uh, my name is Imran. We have an excellent bumper size show lined up for you today. Uh, for our mini cast today, I am very, very thrilled uh, to be joined by uh, my tremendous buddy. Uh, that we are, we are currently, <laughs> he doesn't know this, but I'm now billing us uh, under the name of uh, DJ Supple and M. MC Lean. Uh, we have to figure out which one is which, um, uh, but that term will, will be uh, explained during the episode today. So um, uh, he was the artist formerly known as Mr. V uh, Vahe from Melbourne, Australia, and um, he is my buddy over at Blue and Green Radio, and he is uh, again a uh, yeah, I think he refers to himself, and I said this the last time for our last round in episode, he refers to himself as an idiot savant. I had cited him as a genius savant, as a writer, uh, as a musician, a broadcaster, uh, the multi-talented, multi-faceted Mr. V joins me today for uh, what was initially when 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 Vahe and I sat down to put this, uh, well, to discuss what this episode was going to be. It was initially, uh, I think, a Thor, Love and Thunder conversation, particularly. Uh, Particularly revolving around the fact that uh, Taika uh, Waititi has potentially, you know, um, not is potentially not going to be involved in the Thor uh, kind of franchise going forward. So um, I think what this episode ends up becoming is something of a character study of of, of Thor uh, throughout the MCU, and there's a heck of a lot of films where he has been. Um, you know where we get to assess this character uh, from four uh, standalone movies and four uh, Avengers uh, projects, and uh, we kind of look at this character and uh, you know the, the the particularly tragic nature of him uh, and throughout these movies, and we kind of look at you know the journey the character's been on, uh, maybe things that we particularly weren't happy with. That's probably the diplomatic way of saying it. Uh, in terms of uh, Love and Thunder and what we would like to see the character go on to do. So it's a brilliant, it's a, it's, a, it's an expansive MCU conversation as well. Uh, we obviously look at everything involved from the directors to Chris Hemsworth himself and the MCU. Um, there's a lot of Phase 4 conversation that goes into this as well. So um, if you're an MCU fan, I think you'll get a lot out of the conversation. Hopefully you'll... Uh, be free to, to you know let us know what you uh, agree with or disagree with or what you th- where you think we may potentially be a bit overly harsh uh, and um, yeah love to know your thoughts um, quick reminder you can check us out at uh, foreverinelectricdreams.com and uh, uh, for more uh, mini cast episodes and as of course our flagship Close Encounters of the Nerd Kind podcast so uh, yes please check out the website and you'll find a whole host of stuff uh, whether you're a 90s R&B and hip hop fan or whether you're just a uh, looking for a geek fix of uh, Marvel and the MCU etc hopefully we cover as many of those bases as possible uh, it is a bumper episode so I'll say no more and we'll jump straight into it uh, this is a um, as we, as I said, this is a a, a DJ, um, a DJ supple and FC lean uh, production, uh, and I very much hope you guys enjoyed the episode today. Uh, out of out of interest for the mummy, 
have I, I haven't seen the the Tom Cruise one. Did you ever see the Tom Cruise one? Yeah, I did, but it was pretty was forgettable. It yeah, no. it was pretty. I don't know. It was inconsequential. It was a bad Tom Cruise movie, which was it's been a while. Like he doesn't make mm. like really really bad ones all that often. Um, mm. But that really counted as like a like a proper dud. Oh right, I had known. Okay. Yeah. It was I big. I think big, big financial failure as well, yeah. and critical failure. Um, and that was like the attempt by I think Universal to start their monster universe of films. Oh, okay. What so they, they were, were going to tie into other things, other IPs or something? Well, they they did. They made a whole bunch. They, they called it the Dark Universe. That's the the name that had, they'd given it to us. It was their like uh, live action monster universe. Um, so Russell Crowe was. Uh, who did he play? Jack, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. He played Jekyll and Hyde, I think. What? In that film or in another film? I think in that film. I'm not sure if he ended up getting his own film, but that was the intention. Oh. He was the, he was supposed to get a solo. Oh, I see. Um, okay. And then um, all these other characters. I forget the other movies, but they, they all occurred in the same uh, universe. So it was their attempt at an MCU. Right. Um, but just as a film on its own, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty bad. Ah, I see. I'd like Tom Cruise to do more, well, just less action-y stuff and more character-driven stuff. I, I saw a clip of uh, like Jerry mm. Maguire um, recently, and I thought, I, I used to adore that movie. It just, I'm not that I particularly dislike it. It's just that, you know, when it came out, I think I ended up seeing it quite a few times. Same. And, uh, I, yeah, I loved that movie, and I'd like to see him kind of return to that just character-driven kind of story stuff as opposed to you know, massive, you know, huge scale action kind of uh, set pieces and stuff like that. But um, yeah, because yeah, you know, you know, he can do it. You know yeah, he can absolutely. Do it, right? He's got the ability. Yeah, I mean, he's so that. far removed from like Born on the Fourth of July and and yeah. sort of movies like that. You know, you can't even believe that that he did a film Jesus. like that. That film was an experience. I saw that pretty yeah. young as well. Yeah, and I was like, right. wow, it was really in your face. Like, yeah. Um, yes, definitely. But yeah, he's, he's so far removed from that, isn't he? He needs another Magnolia. He needs like one of those mm-hmm. fucking performances, like when he came in Magnolia and he fucking almost stole the movie for me. Right. Um, three, I think it was a three-hour movie. I used to love uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's one of my favorite directors. So right. I love everything he does, pretty much. And that film was um, pretty intense. And Tom Cruise comes in and just fucking crushes it. Mm. I don't know if you have you seen that film or do you no, I it? haven't. I do know the, of, of the character of you're talking about. So um, <laughs> right. yeah, but I hear he's pretty great in it. He he plays like a motivational speaker that's all about um, male domination uh, of females and how to pick up essentially. Um, right. And then he has this existential crisis because his father is dying, so he goes from this really bombastic fucking out of uh, out there character, like a Tony Robbins on steroids. Um, to this really broken and uh, intensely dramatic, really long, lengthy scenes of him by the by, by the bedside of his dying father, who's estranged. I think they're estranged, right? And it's just super intense. He's just like acting clinic. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, man, you should see that film. Uh, mm. There's a lot, a lot of big names in it. Uh, the crew is definitely probably one of his best performances in that mm. film. Um, his op- <laughs> sorry, his opening line as the motivational speaker. Mm. 
<laughs> his opening line was um, respect the <laughs> <laughs> and tame the that's what he no. said no wow yes. yes that is his opening line <laughs> opening line I think of his of his actual whole movie of his character I think those wow. are his opening lines um, that's how he opens his show his motivational speaker show <laughs> god wow yeah, yeah. I dropped the C word there, I know. But um you know, keeping oh. it real. Just keeping yeah. it real. <laughs> You're quoting, you're allowed, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um my gosh, that's wow. And then obviously well, I guess on the the the, the, the flip flip side of that, uh like Len Grossman. We never got a Len Grossman movie, <laughs> which is another thing that he's so far removed from now, you can't really <laughs> believe he did that. You know, now it's just so many mission impossible and all these, you know, sci-fi epics and everything, which he excels in. Uh, he does. But again, like, how did we not get, like, <laughs> it's just, that. it's just how he feels at the, at the, at the, you know, at any particular point of any given day. It's like, do mm-hmm. I feel mischievous today? Will mm-hmm. I have the mischievous Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise grin on my face? If I do, <laughs> then I'm calling up Ben Stiller and I'm telling him, uh, I want to have big hands and I want to dance. That's literally, it's literally what, that's the stat. Have you heard the story of how that actually all happened? No, no, um, no. Is that what happened? He requested it. So Ben Stiller is like, do you want to be in this movie? Um, uh, you, you play this character and he's like, okay, God, I'm in. I know who this character is. He's like this sleazy big time sort of Hollywood director guy. Um, <laughs> he's like, I'll do it, but only on like two conditions. I want to have giant hands. <laughs> and I want to dance. So <laughs> the rest of it, he just kind of made up the character as he went along. But that that was all him. He requested that look. <laughs> and he's actually, lately I heard some rumblings online, he's like working on a, a Les Grossman thing. Some kind of Yeah, Les that Grossman has been rumbling project. for quite some time though, hasn't it? Like uh, they always seem to be, it's like Anchorman 2 that has just been in, you know, when it was just in limbo for so long and people were like, why has this not happened? But yeah, Len Grossman seems to just be languishing in bizarre uh, uh, studio purgatory for some reason when surely there's infinite amount of money to be made. But I don't know why no one pulls the trigger on it. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Like if Disney get their hands on it, especially they'll just, <laughs> you'll have like 10, 10 fucking spinoffs of uh, yeah. Les Grossman's assistant, you know, yeah, he'll have Whatever a the f- episode run on, on Disney plus, won't he? Yeah. Why not? That's, that's the D plus factory. Like shit. They're doing the run Star Wars into the ground, MCU into the ground. This is, you know, um, perfect segue. It's a perfect segue, but before we go to that official segue, can I, I, you've mentioned Star Wars and I think that's an interesting one to, to, mm-hmm. To question from what you just said, I mean, the notion of running it to the ground. I don't know. I mean, are you are you a fan of things that they've put out? Like, do you think Star Wars really should have just been left alone at say three movies? Or bearing in mind you have these minds, you have these resources, you have Disney Plus. You know, is it understandable, acceptable that they kind of pursued this? to explore this massive and expansive universe and build upon it. You know, I know they have more, they do have more misses than hits. And I think that that's a very fair comment to say. Um, but I don't know. Are you, do you embrace new star Wars content or are you just skeptical and just think it was three movies guys move on? I think you raise a really good overall point. Um, 
on, I guess, the their intentions might be that they do want to honor the universes that they're exploring and they've got the resources, they've got the inbuilt fan bases that these will cater to. To me, I'm all on board for shit like that. I, I love expanding on universes, right? That's mm. what the Dark Southern is to me. It's just yeah. a constantly expanding, living, breathing universe that uh, I conjure at will and and expand just based on the limits of my own bloody consciousness. Mm. So I'm all for that shit. Spread it out, tell the stories, but I just don't think they've been doing it well. <laughs> I just think they've... They've uh, focused more on getting so much out instead of maybe taking some time and then hiring the right people who are fans of these things that they want to produce because the trend is really that they're getting in kind of just anyone, um, people not really versed in uh, MCU lore or Star Wars lore mm. or they're really fresh-faced, um, which is fine, but, you know, for for entering something like this, something that's really got just like a deep history already, decades deep, um, th- there has to be like a fundamental adherence to the established canon, to the established stories. You you can still be creative and fun and tell a really cool story to add on to it, but you don't have to do it at the expense of destroying the the bedrock and the foundations because mm. then all you get from fans, what they feel is that you just don't care about that part of it anymore. It's just get the product out. It looks like Star Wars. It feels like Star Wars. That'll be good enough. But what they did in something like Boba Fett was they forgot to tell a story, <laughs> like, a, like a compelling one at least. Right. Uh, Mando, I really did truly dig. Um, but even that she got really repetitive if I objectively look at it. They just rinse repeated the same formula for majority right. of each episode. It's just episodic, go to a place. You want to get a thing, thing. Yeah. you got to do a thing to get the thing. Yeah, you got the thing. This is, <laughs> this is the way. And they go jerk off in your little fucking tin suit. <laughs> this, this is the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love that as a battle cry to... <laughs> <laughs> like at the end of your experience, this is the way. <laughs> that's how they celebrate in like the upper echelon of the Mando society. That's why they keep their helmets on because they don't want to fucking name and shame each other. They just get together and they just beat off whatever respective like junk they have there. Um, whether it's like long and cylindrical or it's flappy, doesn't matter. They all get together and there's an expulsion of, of spirit of. Oh, frustration wow. <laughs> and just heaps and heaps of just jism. Right. Um, and this is this is the way at the end. It's like, because that's how they justify everything. This is the way. Like, any way could be the way if you just say this is the way at the end of it. Like, I could walk up to you and just punch you in the head mm. for no reason. Sure. And you'd be like, what the fuck did you do that for, V? Like, hey, <laughs> this is the way. I love it. The way is subjective. It's, yeah. it's brilliant. Yeah. It's any perspective, any time, any... Any yeah, any angle you want to go at it from, it that is always the way, and it's yeah, it's 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 powerful, it's poetic, it's. Uh... <laughs> you just got to, you just got taken down, Mando. <laughs> I think the most. <laughs> I think it was a good uh, change of pace. That's why it's it was well received mm-hmm. across the board, even with people who had like issues with certain aspects of it. Um, I didn't. I I think 
majority of Star Wars fans that at least that I saw were like all on board for what Mando mm. was doing. Um, but then I guess you got, yeah, Boba Fett, not so interesting. And even one of the whole episodes was a fucking Mando episode. Yeah. Um, which was odd. Um, I don't know if it's, it feels like a scathing thing to say, or depending on who I say it to, but <laughs> it's like, I liked Boba Fett, but then it became the Mando 2.5 and I loved, <laughs> and I loved Boba <laughs> Fett from that point, And I feel like that would make Boba cry. Like he'd be like, oh man, I'm, like, I'm sorry, dude. Like it was okay. But then geez, Mando came in it and it was like a great show again. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it from the moment he appeared. I was like, oh, he's so good. Um, but yeah, but I feel like Disney plus, I, I, you know, in relation, uh, to, I guess, Star Wars and certainly MCU has been a blessing and a curse because mm-hmm. I understand for both of those, um, sort of IPs, you have to populate, you have an entire channel for each of them. And if you stick to what was MCU's, you know, obviously each phase has resulted in more content. But, I mean, phase three, you know, you'd still be looking at two movies a year, maybe three at times to populate Disney Plus, you know, and you have an entire section. If you've got a new subscriber who goes, right, I'm going to blitz all the MCU movies, you Mm -hmm. watch it all, you could be done in, if you watch it all, watch the shows in six months, for example, you could say, I've done it. And there's nothing now new scheduled for another three months. I may as well disconnect, you mm. know, and, and not continue to subscribe. So it's amazing that they have this hub of content, but obviously it has to go hand in hand with the need to populate it. And I think that's because that is like a double-edged sword now. It is if you don't have any creative vision behind what you're doing and just some fucking passion just some basic passion for whatever it is you're working on. Like, dude, I can guarantee you if we if we took the next 10 to 15 minutes to map out our own version of Phase 4, like as soon as Endgame's done, right? That's ends mm. the first uh, saga, the Infinity Saga. You and me are tasked with the with the um with the project of going forward and writing the narrative of Phase 4 where how would you do it like what would you do say you had the same order of things released like starting with say wandavision um how would you tell that story and then how would you tell the next story and what would you tweak would you how would you do it differently would you have any idea personally if if you did it um, own- oh jeez um what so this is before having seen anything or or, or me at this point um you can take into account the fact that you've seen it it's just yeah well maybe with like 2020 hindsight but in your own sort of way what would you have seen as as being the ideal continuation of the story and how they should have told it oh that's a great question i'm not sure i'll answer it in terms of how you mean to but i mean (laughs) this this is going to derail you totally but i would have stopped in a way um, mm. And moved everything onto X Men and Fantastic Four. Oh, like straight away. Yeah. yeah. Wow, Endgame yeah, was good. as perfect a conclusion as it could have been. Yeah. And you're now having to. It's it's the volume of content now for Phase Four. It started off for me brilliantly, but I think it's it's getting way too much, and mm. I understand why it's too much. And I think it just needs to be streamlined a little bit. 
you know, I, 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 I'm still having this conversation as a, as a, I'm by no means saying that you're not, but I'm, I'm having this conversation as a real genuine, massive MCU fan. And mm. I, they've, I think for me, they've earned enough credit that I can watch something and say, I didn't like that, but that's okay. Do you know what I mean? And then just sort of mm. ha- go turn, look to the next project with hope that I'll really enjoy this. Um, but I think they're getting now so big that it's you could look at phases one two and three and say that is targeted to say to a superhero based audience Mm -hmm. phase four is notably that is it's such a wider demographic even if you just even whether or not you've seen the shows if you look at the just the trailer for miss marvel and she hulk yeah those are two shows that are com- they're com- targeting very specific uh teenage say markets for miss marvel which is great and then she hulk is clearly again they're made they're targeting a female based older audience now as well neither mm. of those shows are necessarily the specific demographic for phases one two and three and that's to me is really interesting because that's the scope now it's just getting wider and wider and wider does that make sense yeah yeah, absolutely. Like the disc, uh, you're right. Phase four is all about casting a wider net, um, yeah. possibly even getting a whole lot of newbies on board. Um, and that uh, conceptually, I have no problem with that. Mm. I would have loved to have seen. Um, I mean, we enjoyed it with WandaVision, how they played with the TV tropes um, yeah. and made, you know, that can sort of wove that into the story. Um, that's absolutely welcome across the board because you get mad creative um, while maintaining canon. It's part of the overall tapestry, you know, great. But it's the execution that always seems to be lacking or there's this driving need to just discard the existing canon um, Mm. to a large extent, ignore character development, ignore um, or even just look down upon and actually, um, harshly critique uh the legacy characters as well like that's crept in a bit um this deconstruction of the legacy characters um it's i don't know like i think all of it's great by design but i think the creative teams behind it um they could have been better picked and they could have taken more time to Mm -hmm. really develop each project properly because i think that's why the mcu worked really well uh, at least phases one two three is there was some breathing room between projects um and they got enough time to be properly developed and worked on work out the kinks um so you know how do you get from end game like going back to my question yeah what i was really trying to get at is like well, let's just jump from there and use Thor as the springboard because his development in Endgame was kind of controversial. It wasn't mm. always like positively received. Um, so we take him as a buffoon, basically, as just a drunk, uh, overweight, uh, depressed uh, dude. And we jump to uh, Thor, Love and Thunder. Um my ideal version, for example, answering my own question, is mm. I would then make this movie a more balanced tone. It wouldn't be... Like, Taika can still do it, and he can make it more dramatic. 
he's got like the ability as much as I kind of ragged on him last time we spoke about this, yeah. like <laughs> the dude's got talent. Like we, we like him for a reason. It's just for some reason in this particular film, he shit the bed and he showed what he truly is like if he's completely off the leash and he has no investment in the, in the actual source material. I think when I was listening back to our chat in preparation for this, uh, you raised a really good point, which I really hate as well. And that's been the absolute disrespect of the Warriors three mm. um, from Taika. And you specifically cited that he said in an interview that he absolutely just despised everything that made four, four up to that yeah. point. And he wanted to just do away with all of it. So he just callously killed them off. And then you saw the way that they got referenced in Thor in Love and Love. Yeah, Thunder. yeah, 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 yeah. By Korg, yeah. What's his name? That's what's his, that guy, that guy. Yeah. yeah. Why? Like still, I don't know. Like, why well, I don't know in? why they did it. Like, why would you know you're as as actors, I mean, as the, for those well, for, yeah, for those for the three of them, the two in particular, who one who goes, uh, and then dies, and the other one doesn't even get to say <laughs> anything. But yeah. like it's like if you know you are notified by Marvel that we want you to come back for Thor three, and they're like, great. Where are my um? Where where are my? Where's the script? <laughs> We're sending the post it note to you right now, you know, with the uh with your line. And you did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, why wouldn't you just say, "No, I'm I'm not going to do that." Thanks very much. You're not obligated to do it. You, they can't make you do it, right? Yeah. I, I would just say, "No, I'm I'm not I'm not doing that. I'm not coming in for that." Thank you. I mean, props but, on them maintaining the same actors. That's always neat yeah. to see in a continuity <laughs> film. But holy shit, man. Like, that was such a bitch slap in the face of... Yeah. Those characters are important. And Thor does not fucking mention them once. No. Not since then. Not in Love and Thunder either. It's like, what have they done to make him this unfeeling, uncaring oaf? Mm. Like, he would mourn them at least. Um, bloody hell, you know? Super bizarre, yeah. I, don't, I think you what you just said is, is exactly right as well. I think Taika kind of he didn't seem to just sort of have, and this just sounds like the the geekiest, markiest thing to say, but he didn't seem to have any respect for the whatever it was, the character or the films leading up to it. I actually don't know if he was a fan of MCU stuff, if he had seen anything up until mm. that point but i think he just seemed to be more attracted to the idea that marvel basically said you can do whatever you want and mm. i think that's almost specifically what excited him the most and because i i think it was that same interview where he just said he didn't care about say the warriors three but i think it was a, an interview with um uk publication empire where he he talked about um you know the, his approach to things and he just said he enjoyed kind of being able to push them in directions he thought he'd never be able mm. to he'd get them to put things in the movie he never thought he'd get them to do i mean when you think about it it's such a small line but i remember the absolute shock of hearing it because it was a marvel family orientated movie but mm. in ragnarok when thor's talking to korg about mjolnir and then he goes and I'd spin my hammer and it would pull me off. Oh my so... God, your hammer put you, <laughs> pull you off. Yeah, I was just going to, I was just going to say that. It's like, I can't believe that line got in the film. Yeah. Like, like, and I'm not, I'm not, it's not necessarily a protest, but I'm just saying like, I honestly couldn't believe that that line was in the movie um, yeah. at that point. But it's just, but yeah, if... he just seemed to totally enjoy pushing them as far as he possibly could. 
because you know that I think that one got through because that one doesn't. I don't think it translates everywhere the same. Oh, I see. So I think because you know it's very British. It's very Aussie. Aussies use that. Would definitely use that. I think uh, Americans would understand it too because I remember posting about this online a while back uh, when it came out. I was like, hey, does this line actually translate for, for the Yanks? Because this is like hilarious to me. I thought I misheard it the first time. And then I watched Ragnarok like two more times. And like each time I heard it, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the hammer pulled you off. Yeah, I know. I it, can't believe he said it. Off into the sky. It's a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So, I mean, I guess. Um, yeah. So. So I was answering the no, question, yeah, which was <laughs> I wasn't answering the question, which was um, what what I would have done in place of what we got for Love of yeah, yeah, before yeah. we actually right. dig into the film itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have gone for a more stoic vibe, right? I would have essentially, I would have want him to, st- I would, have, I want him to actually reign over New Asgard to actually be king, experience that for a little bit, and then abdicate to Valkyrie. Um, which he kind of does anyway, but it would have been mm. nice to have like a King Thor officially. Right. Um, yes, you're right. We've never seen that. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Have him be proud of what he, what he's got now and that he's actually got some people left uh, to, to be a King too. Mm. Um, maybe that gets his, you know, spirits back up, his confidence back up. Uh, and then he leaves it all behind and goes off on some fucking cosmic quest. Um maybe retraces his family history or some shit like that, you know, mm. goes back to worlds that Odin and Hela maybe conquered together and seen the, um, the after effects of, of his family's lineage, maybe try to do something in that regard, maybe try to right some wrongs, who knows? It's got to be really personal and uh, link back to all the lost, lost loved ones. Yeah. Um, and then I'd have some section that's purely devoted just to Loki and him grieving for Loki properly. Right. Because he's not mentioned really other than a fucking tattoo on his... Well, uh... well don't, I don't. That was the most <laughs> uh, vile. I, uh, I couldn't believe it when I saw that. <laughs> it's Thug Life tattoo, but it's... Uh, <laughs> it's was it, R- was it just R.I.P. Loki? Is that what it said? Or? Yeah, I, I think there was more to it, but I just they, I just remember it was all it looked like a child had scribbled it on his back as well. Like, <laughs> just the, I, it was still sort of a when I saw it, I kind of like, oh my god, I can't believe that someone thought that that was a a good idea. Um, but. but essentially, a poignant, a more poignant story, you know. Um, I'm, and I'm just spitball. I just came up with this on the spot just now. I haven't actually yeah, thought yeah. about this till just now, and the first thing that comes out of my mouth is a more stoic, um, pensive, he's introspective. Um, throughout his journeys, maybe he has some like confrontations with something he's got to beat the shit out of, of course. Mm. Um, but he's fully energized. He's at full strength. He's King Thor. So he's got the power of Odin in him, you know, um, even more power. Because that's, I yeah. think, what Odin told him, um, mm. that he's stronger. Or maybe I'm maybe creating a different movie altogether. No, no, no. You're right. You, you, you're <laughs> not the god him? of hammers. Yeah, you're not the god of hammers, right? Um, in Ragnarok, when he's, he's yeah, like, I can't yeah, beat yeah. her. I haven't got you know Mjolnir, and he says, "You're not the god of hammers. You're the god of thunder." Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he taps into young locks. I guess power he didn't actually know he had at that point. Yeah, and I guess with Odin passing, there's some kind of thing in the lore. I think where when Odin passes, then the next in line gets access to like that force or that power that right. gave Odin life. Um, so he's like 
super OP. He'd be like super powerful, god level power uh, at this stage. Um, I, I wouldn't want to see him regress um, and be kind of weaker. You know, I'd really want him mm. to actually gather gather his strength as a sign narratively that he's getting his mind and his emotions back in check and he's getting a mission in his life uh, and that's reflecting back on his physique um, and the way he takes care of himself mm. and carries himself. That There's so much that goes into just conceptualizing a story. You have to get inside the head of this character. You have to live sure. their life. Um, this is why from a, like a writer's perspective, it's like it's a little bit lazy you know, like, and it might be just a schedule that they're on to pump these things out. Um, that's compounding laziness. There's there's not enough work being put into the writing, right? Um, from my perspective, but that's that's what one of the things that Love and Thunder suffers from. Mm. I think I misunderstood your question when you said, "What would I do going forward?" I thought you meant map out all of Phase Four. <laughs> all of it, yeah, yeah. I, I can give you that too, but I, I think I wanted to skip straight to uh, yeah, yeah. Love and Thunder, just in terms of answering sure. that question, just for that movie, you know. Yeah, I, I guess just to, to retroactively answer a little bit of it, um, the I, I, I think I liked him at the end of Endgame in terms of I could understand, maybe not liked it as such, but I can understand him being portrayed as someone who's a bit aimless now uh in terms of he he there is a quest for him to have to go on um and i i, I think that could tie in quite nicely to what you were saying about he's gonna have to come to terms with everything because ultimately he just spent the five years drinking and eating and playing video games and running from it and, mm-hmm. and there wasn't that time to kind of process everything that happened um i'm not sure how much time they would give to the loki thing because i imagine the they'll meet again because loki's still in theory alive isn't he so mm, i but, imagine that will connect mm. to kang at some if if you know if they're talking about avengers five and six uh yeah five and six now so they're probably going to reconnect um at some point i'd be, I'd be surprised if they didn't it's been but, sketchy um, it's been sketchy in the rumblings online like right. no one's really said yes to that and Whenever they ask either Hiddleston or Hemsworth, they give these really like coy answers, like um, like it's just not going to happen. Like they've just separated now, and it's no one's uh, acknowledging that Loki is still alive in a different timeline. Mm. No one knows Thor is moved on. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah, I guess so. But I su- pairing I su- pairing them makes mm. sense, you know. Yeah, I, I guess so. But then. I suppose that that comes with the, you have to separate them again, uh, which will probably be the fourth time that it's happened. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. I don't know if it would ever happen, but I mean, uh, Kang. And then you got to kill Loki again. You got to kill him yeah, well, every time. You know. You yeah, know, exactly. You just got to the Kenny of the fucking MCU. <laughs> yeah, you killed, <laughs> you killed Loki, you bastards. I mean, he's yeah. You're right. He's been believed <laughs> dead in what three times now. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, he, they thought he was dead in Thor 1. They thought he was dead in 2. Uh, he does die in Infinity War. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, well. um, I think the the one idea that I had pre-thought out that I thought would be neat to see um, in, in place of Love and Thunder was that same sort of outline that I just gave before. Mm. But because as Guardians can live like multiple thousands of years there i think i think they do have a lifespan of between three to five thousand years something like that um 
four is like roughly what fifteen, sixteen hundred, mm. some shit like that. I'm, I'm yeah. off the top of my head. So you could have a story where he's at the end of his lifespan, like he's lived three thousand years now, and everyone else that he's known is dead and gone. So you truly have that Loganish story to right. see him out. He's like almost the last person standing, you know, from a superhero perspective. Yeah. What the fuck is that like? Um, that's a very Ronanish too. Last Ronanish, yeah. you know, yeah. like wandering, wandering the wasteland of the end of time. Um, he's not timeless. He'll die, but you know, you've been around that long. Everyone you know and love is gone. Everything that's happened has happened. It doesn't matter anymore. Um, explore that. That would be fucking yeah. deep. That'd be intense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've. I think the last time we spoke about it. I mean, Thor is. He is the most tragic of of characters i think probably along with wonder uh you know with yeah. every every appearance of him i mean thor i guess the the very beginning of the first thor movie is him at his peak his happiest his mm. everything is great you know he's he is beloved he's the you know he's next in line for the throne he has his brother his friends his team his uh a planet that adores him everything is perfect but then mm. through every movie every passing sort of moment um everything is taken away from him um and uh yeah so i mean it's it's an incredible kind of incredibly tragic story i don't know if that was by design um that as that's what was outlined for him but um but yeah i mean he's he's certainly going to be starting um love and thunder in whatever version that would have been uh is well i guess there's a glimmer of hope because they've obviously defeated danos but you know mm. he's he does have a lot of soul searching to do a lot of who who is he now and he has to come to terms with everything that's gone on in the past that he's but but no Imran he's he's got no time for that all right he's <laughs> he's he's trying to choose between Mjolnir and Stormbreaker he's having a bit of a d- right. bit of a domestic or a bit of a domestic situation happening here a bit of a, a bit of a wacky rom com love triangle yeah. happening with him and his fucking hammer and his axe. Um, an ex-girlfriend yeah so <laughs> ex-girlfriend yes his ex-girlfriend ex-girlfriend very good oh thank you try the deal <laughs> i'll be here for the next hour and a bit um and then fucking riding riding stormbreaker yeah. like a witch <laughs> which is hilarious on its own but it kills me inside when i'm sitting in the theater i'm going yeah. he's, he's doing the thing he's riding it like a <laughs> Like broomstick is Thor on a broomstick, everybody. <laughs> Please kill me. Kill me now. What have they done to you, my boy? There was, <laughs> there was, um, I guess I don't, I'd be curious. I don't think the differences would be that many, but I suppose mm-hmm. again, looking at kind of the, the beginning of the film, I mean, guardians three was supposed to be before Thor, wasn't it? But then they had the James Gunn issue. So they ended up switching the order. So it's technically Thor that was supposed to be in the Guardians movie. So mm. it would have been interesting to see. I and I, you know, I think the film has massively suffered for not having that because I think the Guardians interaction in Love and Thunder was an awful, mm. uh, and it was a real missed opportunity. I think their their interaction, the fact that they were just happy to get rid of him by the end of it, which was almost sad to be honest. Um, yeah. The, the crazy goat crap was i don't know what was going on there 
um it was just all sorts of just weird and well that's part was, of norse that's part of norse lore so they tried to I, inject I knew someone was gonna norse. say that <laughs> like, <laughs> it is it's his it's his two goats that fly him across the sky with the fucking ship and everything. That's, that's they had that accurate but it was it was like they overplayed it <laughs> i you know. i did not enjoy watching it oh that's all i could really say about mm. it but um the um uh yeah i i, I think it's a shame that they got the order they had to change the order and i think thor having appeared in guardians i think that that interaction could have been significantly better and we could have probably set off like love and thunder with a with a stronger starting point because i think that that their dynamic was you know drastically uh a missed opportunity i think yeah really underutilized well uh, there's a whole lot of deleted scenes and things that have popped up on youtube in the last few weeks so well, let whole, me see those a whole sure. lot a whole <laughs> lot actually because so much was cut out like i don't i know right. we mentioned in the last conversation yeah, yeah. this was actually a four-hour film um at the initial cut and he had to completely cut jeff goldblum completely cut um what's his face peter dinklage he was in it too wow um almost completely uh, chopped christian bale's performance in half right that's why you only see him at the beginning and where he kicked ass and he absolutely yeah. had me just at attention. Like I was like, well, I'm invested. Mm. This is great. Um, and then it just kind of went downhill from there. But to, like they really shrank a lot of narrative and a lot of the roles. And I think I read somewhere that um, Taika might actually have been told to make it more Taika-ish. I think he was actually encouraged to go oh, full no. Taika because he apparently, I, I, I can't remember where I read this because I read shit all the time, and apparently he maybe wanted to make a bit of a darker film <laughs> um, initially that did deal with some of the things we're talking about, but and then have still have that Taika flavor to it. You know, he can do dramatic pretty well and balance it with some offbeat humor. Um, but then I think he maybe got pressured to just go full Taika and... Um, <laughs> still, even if that was the case, this is like way over the top. Like yeah. it's so over the top that you're you're pulled out of the MCU as as a continuity, and you're just looking yeah. at this like series of skits, um, instead of a film. Mm. Yeah, it's just I, disappointing. I'd be really surprised like, if that was what what had happened as opposed to them just giving mm. having confidence that like do whatever you want to do but for them to almost encourage i'd be really surprised if that was mm. if that was the case if that's what what had happened but yeah i'd 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 uh i'd, I'd sympathize with tiger if if he did want to go darker i'd almost be again be very surprised if he did but um yeah, yeah that's what had happened <laughs> and poor guy you know he caught the short thrift of the whole thing yeah who knows man how politics goes and who wants what and yeah who's higher up on the food chain that can tell you to do this um i think taika did all right considering that like mcu is pretty tight in terms of how much of your personality you can inject into a film right. as a director they don't really yeah. let you have your voice because it has to meld with everything else um and whole action scenes are planned out in advance you don't even touch them they're not yours mm. you're not directing them yeah um, no, i i often wondered about that yeah i'm not surprised that that's the case and i understand that yeah yeah so even if you get someone like raimi who did doctor strange 2 it had some of his flavor and his direction style 
um, but it was still very much a Marvel movie. So it mm. was not too distinguishable in terms of, could I tell this is a Raimi movie? Not right. by itself, not without actually knowing beforehand. Um, so yeah, mm. I think that, that comes into play too. So he got lucky because he got enough of his flavor into Ragnarok that made it pop and right. and, and work, um, even though it really did signal that kind of disrespectful shift. Yeah. So yeah, it do- was the precursor. Sword. It was, it, yeah, it did make what followed what I what I feared it would be, um, just because of the tone of it. And it, you know, I think that Ragnarok hit at the right time, and it captured, you know, a huge kind of audience. It, you know, it it was what the character needed in many ways, um, but it did indicate that this is, you know, Love and Thunder is kind of where it could go afterwards, which was the concern. Um, it's I think such a downgrade though i mean uh, look iman at least we have infinity war thor <laughs> infinity yeah. war thor owned infinity yeah. war like his yeah, journey yeah. was the epic of journeys yeah uh and his entrance was by far the most memorable thing outside of the snap yeah um, that was the best part of the movie i thought yeah yeah like that's it like you we want to see that overpowered fucking i'm coming for your head thor mm. like you know, you don't mess around with him, and you got to you got to show why you don't mess around with him because he is godlike. Mm. Um, so it would have been better to explore his story while still maintaining the power levels and even you know increasing them as time goes on as he gets older. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, on that, it's funny because I, I just thought of um, something else I had read, sort of in preparation for this about. I thought the the reception to Ragnarok was largely well received in general, and it was. But I I I sort of stumbled upon the fact that there were those voices that weren't happy with it. Um, I guess for a lot of the reasons that we're saying, I think they almost saw Love and Thunder or sort of on the horizon. But a lot of the things that they were talked about was that Tyker they were like Tyker killed Hulk uh, as well. I mean. What, you know, just to sort of move off Thor just for a moment. What, uh, what the Hulk. do you think of? Yeah. yeah, what do you think of Hulk's kind of a representation in that movie, or and how it kind of fits into his place in the MCU at that point? Yeah, the Hulk is definitely another interesting one. Um, I at least like the fact that he was very Hulkish in Ragnarok. He had mm. a, he had a lot of Hulk out moments. Um, you got to see the smackdown between him and Thor, which was fun. Yeah. Um, it was pretty funny the fact that they made made him talk as well, and he became a bit of a a butt to to the jokes uh, between him and Thor, and just the fact that he actually tried to say the word Ragnarok in that movie every time every time it gets to that to that point where Thor's like we have to stop Ragnarok, and then Thor's like what Ragnarok. <laughs> like oh my god it's pretty funny um but i don't know i don't know like i'm less impressed with where they've taken him i guess post end game um or even in end game you know like he just became professor hulk or he was smart hulk and the the Hulk we knew 
is basically gone. Like the uh, traditional Hulk. Right. He he doesn't come out anymore. So mm-hmm. he's not really angry. He's not dealing with the things that the Hulk is known for that drives him as a character, which is a lot of tragedy. Um, you know, that rage is supposed to exist for a reason that, that defines his character. So without it, he's kind of, he's almost a bit limp. Like they don't utilize him and they probably don't know how to. So they prevent him from hulking out. He can't engage in the fight as the Hulk. Yeah, that's that's all mm. pretty disappointing. You know, as yeah. much as you want character to develop, you do want to see a big green guy who's filled with rage um, jump around and smash a bunch of shit up <laughs> <laughs> and absolutely scream his ass off doing it, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's just the little things, Ron. <laughs> little things like that. They just make, make it all worthwhile. I sound like fucking... Croc Dundee all of a sudden. <laughs> Steve Irwin. That's what they should have done. They should have got Steve Irwin into the MCU when he was still okay. around. Does his passing predate? Uh, I, don't, I don't know, actually. I'm not too sure. Well, let's just say he, he survived. It would have been cool right. to have Steve Irwin in the yes. MCU. Some think, kind of, yeah. maybe... Well, Some it could be wrestler, Cap- like... Like he would have tackled Hulk and like known what to do, and he would have tamed oh. him momentarily. Like, <laughs> like how uh, like Black Widow does the whole it's getting yeah the sun's getting low, big guy, you know whatever, <laughs> and she flops a titty out. Um, yeah, no, so yeah, you can definitely see you can do like a Steve Irwin style where he's trying to wrangle a crocodile, but he's fucking trying to wrangle, trying to wrangle the Hulk and trying to get him to calm down. Like, all right, fella, all right, fella. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've dealt with big green monsters like you my whole life, honey. And he's rubbing Just... his tummy to calm him down, and he hulks like patting his back leg, like. <laughs> he's like, gonna hold this this whole cooked chicken out on a big stick for you. He's come on over here, come on over here. It's gonna be all right. It's gonna be all right, son. And then you just trap him, <laughs> trap him with love. <laughs> yeah, I miss I miss him. I miss Steve Irwin, man. He was the best. Um, was he was he like a, a national hero for you guys out there? Pretty much, yeah. He oh. he was he was like Teflon, man. He was just um, no one ever said a bad thing about him. He was always he always acted with um, integrity, as far as anyone could tell. Mm. Um, so he was just a very interesting, very special dude uh, in Aussie lore. Definitely, mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of dudes like him, uh, characters, but uh, larger than life characters, I guess. Mm. Anyway. That's cool. Yeah. Well, oh, not having a Steve Irwin to tame Hulk accordingly. <laughs> um, I, All uh, right, the, fella. The, <laughs> the, 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 yeah, I think Hulk has been really kind of. I, I didn't have a problem with where they took him in Ragnarok. I thought, like. I think I was I lost faith in him a bit from Ultron. I think in the first Avengers he totally peaked, and mm. I thought it was great to see Hulk in a movie where he's not being chased by the army, mm. um, because every live action version of Hulk up to that point, even the TV show, you got the reporter chasing him, then you got the uh, Eric Banner movie, and it's Ross and the army chasing him, then it's Ed Norton yeah. being chased by Ross and the army, and then you know we have you know this version of him in the first Avengers film where. And I loved Downey's kind of, you know, stop complaining about this incredible thing that you have 
and mm. you know what is it he goes you're you're tiptoeing you need to strut um, and then he goes you may not <laughs> like it when that when that happens and he says well you you just mind and i loved that let's you know let's stop running from it and yeah. treating it as a curse and let's just make this a bit more interesting and make him a bit more uh yeah it's like something to to manage accordingly and i loved that i thought that was brilliant and then with age of ultron we're back to running from him again like oh i don't want to hurt people and i thought oh you're regressing what what is this mm. um and then uh, i guess we got ragnarok where he's you know not addressing any of the issues that made him run away uh you know from ultron he was just back to he was back to this sort of petulant kind of you know i'm mm. i'm king hulk kind of thing and he was funny but it was yeah i don't know he's every iteration of him has just afterwards it just changes and i uh, don't mm. know who these characters you know banner and hulk who they kind of are each time that, that we meet them again yeah that's true yeah there's been been a bit of a failure to maintain hulk's uh character arc uh, or just having giving him a clear one in the first place. Mm. Um, maybe having not having the film rights played a part in that they couldn't yeah, make the solo difficult. film for a while. So they're like, "What do we do with him? We put him here. He does this. So he's just a kind of a supporting character." Mm. Um, he worked well as in in tandem with Thor. Like I thought yeah. they worked okay. Like they were pretty good, uh, inter- entertaining to watch at least. Um, but you're right. Like his his story needed a bit more care and attention just like Thor's did. Yeah. Um, but a lot was sacrificed to get that bubbly sort of camaraderie happening and get that uh, buddy cop feeling um, mm. you get when they, when they uh, team up. Um, it's really aiming for these cool things that work as a, as an overall film, but not so much in service of the characters mm. themselves. So, yeah, you got to think yeah. so much about this stuff. I just that's what I think is the problem. There's a, le- a lack of thinking. That's what I think mm. is when you're thinking about thinking, you're not really thinking about <laughs> not thinking about what you're not thinking about because you ain't thinking. Yeah, but it, it becomes the 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 problem in a way that they create because when you set such a high standard, then it everyone's kind of well, let's maintain that standard and and the notion of it's just the film that you, you you lose that as a as an argument or as as something for them to kind of say it doesn't matter it's just a movie just you know it's just for fun enjoy it and it's like well no because you've created fully fledged characters for 12 13 odd years now so yeah. i want to see them maintained i want to see a logical story progress it's, and, it's like when, when we both started uh you decide to start a family if you do make that decision and you, you're mm-hmm. able to make that decision with your partner and you kind of have planned it out and you don't just uh, decide that you're going to sort of step away for a while. It's, you kind of have to stay along for the ride <laughs> and and actually guide these children. So if you're the parent of the property of the MCU and you're growing that property, like you're growing a child, then you got to stay the course, right? right? And not waver. And phase four is uh, one giant waiver for me. Like it's it's wavering hard. 
Um, I keep seeing this fucking thing on Instagram. Like Instagram, you have all these MCU stan accounts that just stan everything MCU all the time. Right. They have these <laughs> ran- random facts on pictures and shit. And the one that comes up quite a bit is, did you know the uh, Marvel Studios has a, uh, one person dedicated to maintaining the uh, massive MCU lore, like the timeline, basically, like the Kang of the actual Marvel Studios. He's right. there to maintain the sacred timeline like well either you don't have enough people on the job or (laughs) that one person really fucking sucks at his job and he's not doing a really good job of it i could do a better job of that all i need is a fucking spreadsheet or like (laughs) like like a word document and i will like give you the most like stringent canonized every little molecule of your universe is there in black and white Mm. it is immutable this is how it's happened this is what you have to work with. And then you print off what's called a series Bible. You hand it to every fucking director that comes on for each new film or D plus show. And you say, this is the updated Bible. This just happened. This is the continuity you're in. This is all the previous shit you have to reference. You can pull from like work with everyone together collaboratively. That's what needs to happen at mm. Disney, but it's not, they're all working separately they're all working in staggered timelines. They don't know what's happening when. There are sometimes really late reshoots that change the movies completely based on maybe changing release dates. Um, so everything's changing on the fly and there's no solid, doesn't seem like there's a solid plan um, when this should have already been mapped out thoroughly um, like to anally, like anal retentive detail. Like it mm-hmm. just needs to be that way. Um so fuck off fucking lore keeper you're like <laughs> jesus christ like it's not that hard and it's actually really fun to do that would mm. be the most fun job ever to do that yeah it would god mm. yeah well and <sighs> speaking of uh, i guess going back to sort of love and thunder for a, for a bit we have the uh the introduction of well the, firstly the return of uh, jane foster uh mm. or uh not jodie foster as uh <laughs> cited by Korg. what was the other name he calls her um uh, i can't remember jay uh jane fonda ja- is it jane fonda jane he calls fonda, her as maybe. well yeah. jane fonda uh yes not those two uh but uh jane foster uh yes gets uh kind of the call back which is cool mm. to see her her back in uh, the uh, sort of the series, the franchise. But she also has the incredible distinction of becoming uh, what she refers to herself as the mighty Thor, um, mm. and uh, Mjolnir coming to her aid upon, I suppose, you know, fulfilling the promise, um, you know, as set by by Thor um, when he says, mm. "Look after her," and he goes, "Okay." um and uh yeah so we have that and what did you how did you think uh uh jane foster was uh in the movie how did you think of her uh in the in in the role as well first of all mjolnir that motherfucker <laughs> he got tasked with looking after jane foster right right so he looks after jane foster by killing jane yeah. foster <laughs> I, was, I was gonna eat by accelerating her death considerably <laughs> Uh, Mjolnir, you, <laughs> you made her funny, Mjolnir. Kawabunga, <laughs> 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 and you died. 
You know what I want to do? I want to make a whole podcast series where I'm just voicing split, like Splinter voice. <laughs> like I'm just Splinter the whole time. I could be. I could. I could interview Splinter, <laughs> and we could talk about the Dude. different iterations of the character and different <laughs> oh formats. That what did you think of? So what brand coffee was it in that old coffee can? <laughs> was it Nestle? Nescafe? <laughs> we could do a whole Splinter interview. That oh, my God. I'd so be down for that because I could just think of all kinds of wild shit to say as Splinter. Yeah. I, anyway. Well, okay. I'm all but writing it down now. <laughs> my questions. <laughs> That would be so funny. Um, okay, I think I do a pretty. De- I think I do a pretty decent crane as well. I haven't done it in a while, but oh. I I used to do a pretty like oh shredder, you know. <laughs> oh like, my god, that is really good. And he does like these inhalations sometimes where he goes <laughs> like when he's talking, he goes bebop, you damn fool. That's not where you put. The tentacles. <laughs> like, he was always just like complaining about some shit. That's right. that's actually very good. Could you keep that for an hour to two hour <laughs> podcast? Yeah, I could if ask you, can you pay... your intergalactic travels, and uh... you can pay for my throat surgery afterwards. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> what were, yes, what were uh, you talking about? Uh, I think M- Milner uh, taking years being off a Jane bitch. Foster's life. Yeah. <laughs> Bitch-ass Mjolnir. That's what I'm going to call him from now on. <laughs> Bitch-ass Mjolnir. What kind of a fucking... Anyway, I'm not impressed. <laughs> so, Jane, um, I was actually very, very... Uh, I liked her. I, I've always... I didn't mind Jane Foster. I thought she was um, intelligent, served the story, uh, was a good matchup with Thor. Um and she was kind of loose, you know, like that whole crew is loose, like Darcy um, right. is loose. But, uh, and in this film, she, she was fine. She was actually very likable. Um, I did not understand at all why she has to be called the Mighty Thor. It's not, and this is big bone of contention with the fandom years before the film came out because I think it got triggered by the Comic-Con appearance where she she came out. Right. They announced the film. Mm. Taika got on one knee, handed her Mjolnir, and then she held it up with this really awkward smile on her face. Yeah. <laughs> you got to see the photos. It's like she's just awkward as fuck. Um, and then, and then the word got out that it's an adaptation of the Mighty Thor comic run, which is a very mm. recent comic run where this occurs. Um, and because fans got uh, in a bit of a tizzy because they kind of felt like there was a bait and switch coming where Hemi would be sort of downplayed or even phased out. Yeah. Um, so you can introduce Jane Foster as the new Thor, mm. but the story is actually a tragic one because she doesn't survive. Mjolnir, bitch ass Mjolnir is actually <laughs> just sucking the life out of her each time she uses it to be heroic. And she, she sacrifices herself basically in pursuit of heroism. And we love to see that. And she's a very likable character. I absolutely had no issues with her uh, and the way she was portrayed. Um, she was always a welcome addition. It's cool to come back to see their story to a completion. Mm. Um, again, they should have maybe had a bit more one-on-one scenes between Jane Foster and Thor. Yeah, there some of them are deleted scenes uh, on YouTube. There, there right. are having more moments in the hospital. There's a few deleted scenes of Zeus. Um, 
they chopped. Oh, they must have chopped. They must have chopped so much, man. They must have chopped so much, and maybe that's that's why it suffered as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, overall, absolutely um, fine with Jane, and I don't mind the end credits scene either. I thought that was, I suppose, <laughs> well des- uh, deserved. I guess she fit the criteria right. to end up where she ended up, um, and it was cool to see Heimdall at the end. Right. As well, that was actually nice, nice touch. I thought it, it was so funny the way they had presented that as a scene I, when she said, "So you know, no, so this is this is you know where I am now," and and I, I expected him to sort of lean forward and go, "Well, there is a way back," and then like, <laughs> and I thought, so, "Are you going to do that?" Back like, to the future. Where... <laughs> is that what, is that what you mean? He's gonna... no, well, not to the future, but like you can go back to Earth or back. You uh, can, you know. I thought the way he was building, like not he was building up to it, but I thought, oh, this I didn't expect this scene. Um, but then she was like, "Oh, so you know, that's that's me," and he's kind of like, it just felt like they were establishing this as a a new. Like if there's a Thor five, I feel like we're yeah. going to go back there. And you can explore uh, the uh, explore the actual area there. Yeah. yeah, and almost like she will find a way back for some reason or other. It don't. It, there was just yeah. something almost teasing about the scene. I was like, oh, is that where this is going? But it didn't. That was fine. But it had um, that tone. I think it's because of what Idris said. It was like you know, welcome to whatever Valhalla or whatever. And yeah, I think he says if you want, you can you're welcome to stay here. I think it was something that, that that kind of, there was this option and it was, so I imagined if, say if he had said it to me, I would have said, well, what are my options? What do you mean? If I want that, there, there's nowhere else. Is there? Well, there is a way back, you know, <laughs> I, I thought that's where it was going. Um, but yeah, there was just something about it that led me to think, oh, hang on, is this opening up a new story basically? Um, but it yeah, you're right. seem like it is. I don't know. They might felt do, that but, way. It, it, yeah. The thing is, intonations made it feel that way. But Imran, there's only ever one way to make it back. <laughs> there's always ever been one way to make it back. This was firmly established in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey on how to make it back. Oh gosh, I'm going back a few years now. How, how do how, how do they make it back? You got to play the Reaper. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got to just play some games against the Reaper, and if he's like satisfied that you've beaten him enough times, then you go back. That's right. Best of three, best of five, best of yeah. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm in two minds though about whether, just in terms of her her actual end, it's kind of like oh, but you know, should she have become like a a, a character? as thought in her own right like is there sort of a potential i know i understand that it comes from a story where she doesn't um but part of me was kind of like i i don't know i kind of went into this film not knowing if the if she was going to serve as the official replacement for for hemsworth or if is this the beginning of her as her own mm. you know sort of thread so uh, yeah and i was like oh she died i totally didn't apart from my daughter completely ruining it yeah um, but spo- <laughs> Yeah. on her death board yeah. yes on the death board which yeah it's just hilarious like That's no hilarious. she doesn't die it's on the death board how <laughs> couldn't you wait a couple of days um oh, but yeah yeah so i'm not sure if 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 there was potentially what could have led to more fun sort of ventures in its own right but yeah um um that's hmm. something he actually had to come out ahead of so i think initially for like a, a, maybe the first year after the announcement, he was getting 
a bit of flack maybe from the community about the fact that it felt like it was going to be a replacement. Mm-hmm. And then he flat out came out and said, no, Thor's not going to get uh, replaced in his own movie. It's still a movie about Thor. It's just also going to feature uh, Jane Foster's Thor. Um, so he kind of came out and said that. But who knows? That it could have been changed. You know, mm-hmm. they, they work on these things all the way up to when they start filming sometimes, um, chopping and changing stuff. And sometimes after the fact, when they do reshoots, which is a standard thing now, yeah. Um, not reshoots to fix things, but reshoots to completely change things, completely change yeah. scenes and scenarios and, and dialogue. Um, but so, they couldn't have gone at like Taika for that if that was the decision. Obviously, you're you're not you're not firing Hemsworth. Obviously, he's done this for uh, eight movies at this point. So surely mm-hmm. he at some point he's going to say, "I don't really want to do it anymore," and I'm happy to to bow out. All of my Avengers team have all left in theory, so I'm happy to to end this character and you guys focus on the future. And mm. uh, uh, Portman in that role would have absolutely done that, and you could you know continue the the sort of the legacy of of Thor. Um, and oh, allow Hemsworth a graceful exit if that's what he wanted. So it's not about firing one to have the other, though, is it? No, that's the perfect way to play it, dude. Mm. So, uh, and what you, what I would add to that is you have a graceful exit for Thor in that in the transition movie, which would have been like this one, I guess, Love and Thunder. Um, and then Jane Foster takes over, but she doesn't die at the end of this this film. Mm. The effect that Mjolnir's bitch ass Mjolnir is having on her <laughs> on her health, um, instead of having that just uh, take place in one film, you drag that out for a series of films for right. a whole phase. A phase, uh, just drag it out for like an entire phase, where she's progressively getting weaker throughout the phase, and she then can have her heroic ending. Um, yeah at the end of an entire phase where she's become a hero and done a whole bunch of shit and even maybe joined up with uh, the Avengers at some point, if she, mm. ma- if she makes it that far, yeah. um, you know, that's one way to do it uh, instead of just packing it all into one film. And I think one of the things I read about was that uh, Bob Chapek, who's the CEO of Disney, um, he's been paying a bit more close attention to what's happening MCU wise. And he's had his own studio notes. And one of them was to, was the runtime. So he gave Taika oh, really? a very, very strict runtime. It has to be under two hours, um, wow. which I think, which I think maybe this film got mostly butchered in the editing, potentially, because there was so much filmed, mm. um, and then he had to adhere to a specific time. Whereas I think Ragnarok was like two hours plus, wasn't it? Uh, oh yeah, I'm trying to think. Was it? Uh, was like two hours twenty? It might have been a long wish one, I think. Yeah, I don't think it went beyond two and a half. I'm pretty uh, sure it's 220. Let me see. Yeah. Uh, oh, two hours, 10. Okay. Two hours, 10 minutes. But Love and Thunder is one hour, 59. Wow. That is a surprise, I guess. I don't know. It seems like there's a few behind the scenes things that might have meddled with the film. Mm. But even again, even with all these things in consideration, I just feel like a bad film came out as a result. Yeah, yeah. I, there's, there really isn't another, you know, you, we can analyze people's perspectives going in, the reasons for, for so much on the cutting room floor. But you're right, ultimately, I mean, I, I actually, you know, I don't take happiness, I don't take pride in saying this, but this is by far my least favorite MCU movie. 
Uh, I mm. would actually put this as right <laughs> the very you know bottom of the of the pile and um you know distressing to say it i mean it's it shouldn't be it, it should be a, you know in the top half uh to be honest but um just everything about what they did and how they attempted to kind of execute this is is missed the mark you know horrifically um mm-hmm. but um you know shout out to hemsworth man i i i really dig that dude i i think he's done a great yeah. job with the character and i don't doubt he's gone in he's done everything he was i imagine asked to do uh for these movies and i think he plays it great um but there's you know like you say about you know infinity war i mean he he is a great actor and there's that great moment with him and rocket where mm-hmm. he talks about his losses up to that point and mm-hmm. that that gives like as i said to you last time that gives all the gravitas in just one scene it was just you know one at once fairly brief exchange it gives all yeah. the gravitas to ragnarok that it, that film was missing um and you know it just it needed you know love and thunder had no heart in that film at all really which is yeah. such a shame so I think um, at least the Russos were able to balance him out when they got yeah. got him up to Infinity War, and it was now the Russos' responsibility. Um, they, yeah, they really gave him the right amount of gravitas, like you said. So, mm. absolutely. Um, what yeah, what other aspects? Uh, what other aspects of the film stuck out to you? Well, we talked about it in the previous episode, but we uh, we haven't on this one really discussed Zeus. I'm not sure if we want to, but yeah. uh, Russell oh, yeah, yes, Crowe yes, yes. uh, as um, uh, as Zeus. Um, I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's a I say bold, creative choice. Um, I'd love to. You know, I feel like when. I imagine that's a Taika thing. And I feel like when he thought, oh my gosh, we could make Zeus like the local kebab guy. Yeah. He probably just thought I've, I could take the rest of the day off. Like I've nailed it for the, for today. <laughs> <laughs> and, but like, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it was, um, I said, well, I'll say bold again, bold, creative decision. Uh, discourteous uh, is another word. <laughs> Uh, as a greek person as a greek gentleman myself um uh yeah uh, bold <laughs> what was your take on russell crowe academy award-winning actor russell crowe uh mr gladiator himself mr ridley scott muse so what was your take on his interpretation of zeus <laughs> the most revered of all greek mythological gods oh with good reason yeah um <laughs> So there's this uh, bunch of channels, uh, YouTube channels I watch that cover this kind of stuff. And one of them is called Robot Head. And I think he's Aussie. Uh, yeah, I think he's, he's an Aussie. And he hit it on the head. He had the exact same thoughts I did. So he, in his review, he was like, oh, what the fuck have they done with Zeus? <laughs> like Zeus, <laughs> Zeus sounds exactly like this, uh, another character that we grew up with in, in Aussie lore. Um, there was this comedy show, uh, a sketch show um, by a group called The Comedy Company. And one of their characters was a, as a, a Greek fruiterer. So he ran a fruit shop, uh, which back in the 80s here in Australia, uh, there were like the Italian sections and Greek sections. And usually those sections, you, that's where you go for the fresh fruit. All the fruit markets were there. Mm-hmm. And you have all the Greek dudes who are selling it in their accents, yelling shit out. We're like, ah, but I got it there. Potatoes, 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 two for a dollar, two for a dollar, potatoes. 
One of the characters on the comedy company was like lampooning that stereotype and his name was Con the Fruiterer. Um, And he basically looks, if you look him up, he's hilarious, but he looked like Zeus pretty much looked in in the film. He looked like basically like how Russell Crowe looks in the film. Uh, but he talk like this, and he's like, "Ah, beautiful! You want a special on the capsicum?" Uh, you know, it's like, "I'm a conda fruit," and you know, like, it was, um, and he looked and sounded just like conda fruitera. So it was just, it was a bit of a trip. <laughs> um, so I thought it was an interesting choice. Again, I laughed. And I made sure I was high as fuck before I went into the theater because I just I knew I had to be I had to be to just get some enjoyment out of this because I knew it was gonna I went I went into it trepidatious. Oh, did I, you? Oh, I, sh- I should ask you that actually. Is that yeah, yeah? What was that was your thought going into it as well, based on the trailer or just where you thought this was gonna go? Based on being really heavy into YouTube and seeing oh. the coverage, so I actually see a lot of coverage for these films way before they come out. The development cycle, what happens when in their in the, in the development of the films so i'm kind of up on their actual progress as they get to release okay um so i take a lot of other things into context when i'm entering into a film now and love and thunder just throw up so many red flags early on and throughout the whole process of it being filmed that it was just like eh, i'm feeling a little unsure about this like i'm feeling like I'm feeling an extra goofy vibe, <laughs> like overall, like in- intuitively. I'm like, this feels just extra goofy in even the title itself, though I love, and I love the old school font that they used, which is like a, I used to use that shit on Word documents. Like there was a special clip right. art font or something, but it's a very like 80s looking font uh, that might be on like a metal album cover, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, obviously Guns N' Roses was all over the fucking soundtrack. So they're going for an aesthetic. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, I've completely lost my train of thought now. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, sorry. I, I, well, I, I think I interrupted your um, the con the fruiter, I think, to ask about your expectations of, of, of Love and Thunder going into it. So you said, right, right, right. Yep. YouTube, so this is, yeah. this is kind of just it's, it's not me trying to do it on purpose, it's just because I've been curious about the deterioration of sort of modern entertainment in general. It's all kind of starting to. Um, just starting to feel less special. There's less quality, less thought going into things. Yeah, bright spots here and there. Um, but yeah, Love and Thunder was trepidation because I knew there was just more humiliation to come for the character of Thor. Mm-hmm. It was just not going to be a serious story in in any respect. Though, from what little I knew about Gore, he was a big deal, and having him in the film early on when I read his. He was going to appear. I was like, I know a bit about him in the in the comics, and he's a badass, and he could be really fascinating to see him go up against Thor. Yeah. Um. But they cut him. They cut him out of the movie. He's Gore, the God Butcher. He stabs one god in the beginning to become, you know, who he is, and hmm. be imbued with the power of the Necro Sword. Um. But we don't really see him kill any other gods at all. No, they the talk about it, don't movie. they? They say he's been on a on a rampage and sort of thing. But you know, you're right; you don't see anything. You just hear people talk about it. Yeah, um, but yeah. Anyway, that's unfortunately part of my process now, where I, I know too much about a film before it comes out. But mm. 
I still give it a chance. I still watch it. I still am compelled to take a peek. Um, but even there's not enough like weed in the world that's going to get me to sit and watch <laughs> watch any more D plus shows. <laughs> like I, I'll give you this. I'll give you this. The one fucking show that's coming up that's given me some glimmer of hope is Secret Invasion. Right. That looks great, doesn't it? It looks like a, like that they've gone back a bit. Like it's proper absolutely. Phase two stuff, isn't it? Phase two to the T. It's very much looks yeah. like fucking Winter Soldier vibes, yeah. and I'm there for any of that. Give me more of that. Yeah. That was gold, and this looks just like really good. So yeah. I have good good feelings about that one, and yeah. I will check that one out. Moon Knight was a character I was aware of and I thought was kind of cool. But when I heard so much kind of negative rumblings, I didn't bother to check it out. I think you said you didn't like it. I, yeah, I, I wouldn't um, have. Uh, that's actually how I that's all I would say about it is that I, I didn't like it. I wouldn't say this mm. is terrible. You know, if someone else liked it, I'd say, yeah, fine, no problem. But I, I think for me, I, I just didn't really enjoy it. Um, and I like Oscar Isaac quite a bit. Um I mean, talking accents, mm. his 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 sort of <laughs> his British accent in the beginning was like, "Oh my god, what is this?" And like, obviously, <laughs> me and like Buzz were texting, like, "What the hell is that? That's really bad." <laughs> um, it was just like, "Oh, right, apples and pears, you're all right, Dan, you're all right." I was like, "It's this is so." This wow. is a, this is a, a it was his idea apparently i saw an interview he mm. wanted to the distinction between say the personalities and he wanted um to use the english accent and kevin yeah, fair enough. apparently went i'm not really sure about it but then they said hey this really works and i thought it really doesn't it's it's really not good um <laughs> but yeah i i was i was disappointed with that. I, I went into that one with a lot of excitement but um mm. if they don't follow that up again i'm i'm okay with it but, they're uh, apparently i think they are filming a season two right now i figured they would be <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm unsurprised they were dropping hints about it and shit recently right well um yeah uh kind of an interesting uh finale to the series as well actually i'll say that but uh, you know I what it is recommend it or anything yeah i think i know what it is with you man it's pretty oh, fuck it's so clear oh. it's just etched oh, all over your imran face <laughs> i can see it but i can't see you but i can see it <laughs> You, my friend, go have a problem with talking hippos. Yeah, that's what the problem is. <laughs> you just don't like them. Uh, look, can't stand them. I... <laughs> um, Cancel him, Ron. <laughs> I, I, all I can say, I've never met one that I liked. That's all I can say about <laughs> it. And when I do, I'll change my perception. But I have yet to meet what meet a talking hippo that I actually like. Is they always saying something belligerent? Is that what, what you're saying? Like they're always yeah, they they have quite extreme uh, far right views. That I just can't embrace. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay? You see a talking hippo turned up and. <laughs> uh yeah it's the hippo you're right <laughs> yeah like man uh, yeah. it happens it happens you know where are you at with other phase four things have you seen miss marvel or she hulk <laughs> um miss marvel looked harmless enough but it looked a little outside of my demographic so right. i just again i've been really picky about what i dedicate my time to when i'm watching yeah. shit now and I've, now if i'm just not feeling it, i'm like nah i'm yeah, just gonna yeah. not i'm not gonna do it I mentioned uh, a while back Hawkeye. I stopped halfway <laughs> and I just didn't come back to it. Um, right. Not that I wasn't enjoying it. I, I liked, it was very light, although 
again, we could have focused more on Hawkeye, gone deep into his time as Ronan, and really had a badass story to tell um, about that, and even delve into like him and Natasha's past, and have a really yeah. cool cameo from ScarJo. That could have really worked because they really, yeah. you know, they'll tie it. Um, I don't. I saw <laughs> well, bits and pieces. I saw Black Widow. I was just completely in flabbergasted by what I saw with Black Widow. Oh, the the movie, I, yeah, the film. Right. I, I didn't really like. What the hell? That the decision. Some of the decisions they made in that film were kind of mind-boggling. Mm. Um, so I, I don't think I've I've been a big fan of much of Phase Four. Although I'll say I definitely enjoyed Loki because I just love seeing the character. Um, right. I did not mind the entire aesthetic or the meeting with Kang at the end. I thought it was kind of nice and understated. What a brilliant um, finale though, because I watched mm. that, that as a, like obviously with, with any Marvel product, TV show or film, a, a finale is a big explosive battle. And this mm. is nothing more than a conversation. And I'm on the edge of my seat throughout the whole thing. I've watched that exchange several times um, mm. because I just think it, it was just brilliant. I like the guys, the guy who plays Kang, does an amazing job. His, description mm. of who he is and his purpose and everything i just love that that scene and uh and it's incredible that that conclusion came down to a conversation that was gripping yeah yeah it was a good good uh change of gears there mm. to, to have it end that way and uh i i enjoyed the the story being told i feel like it was compressed for time so they had to basically switch evil under the influence of the mind stone loki and mm. then re- rehabilitate him into current loki that just died at thanos's yeah. hands uh, that happened very quickly doesn't it had to happen with a like a montage like yeah. i'll forgive it i'll forgive it for that like they had to because they only had like six eps right yeah to tell that story but i thought it was well told um the effects were pretty damn good i thought i mm. i thought i they realized some of the worlds pretty well some of the action scenes are pretty dope. Um, but the one thing I touched on last time we spoke about this was just the <laughs> um, deconstruction of Loki as a character. Uh, in this instance, they get away with it because they've got like the girl boss character now who's like better than him at being Loki. Right. She's like Lady Loki, Sylvie, uh, but is technically Loki, right? It's a yeah. Loki variant. So... You can excuse it within the story as uh, as to why he falls in love with her and becomes like a simp so quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's a perfect um, love interest for him, though, isn't it? Exactly. I think it's in character, so it works ultimately. Yeah. But it still pushes this like, it's not about you, you know, like when she says <laughs> that. And it's like, uh, well, yeah, it's not really. It's the show's called Loki, but now he's kind of just chasing you around you know, yeah. uh, towards your goal. It's like it's not about his goal anymore. It's about Sylvie's goal. But they make it work because it's still Sylvie's Loki. Mm. So, but um, definitely dug that. I dug most of Falcon and Winter Soldier. <clears throat> Didn't like the fact that they tried to politicize like Falcon somehow, like being broke or not having access to funds or not being paid as an as an Avenger. Um, I thought that was ridiculous in terms of like. Oh, oh yeah, that were... is interesting though. But who? I mean, when you think about it, he, he civil war ends with mm. them all on the run. They were imprisoned and then they're all on the run. 
which they are for a couple of years when then they come back for infinity war finger snap five years out they come back their main benefactor would have been tony he's gone who's paying them (laughs) where they're getting the money from i'm sure like because the world has still continued on there's still like i guess there's still an avengers somewhere scattered maybe like tony Mm. would have had some some kind of um backup plan surely or there would have been some funding somewhere but i mean they didn't tell that story they just straight up said well he's broke well what didn't any of his like earnings go somewhere did he not have Mm. an account that was kept or what happened to his banking bank accounts was it a victim of the snap as well yeah they were frozen tell us something but it's just it felt very surface level and cheap I'm like, well, if that's the case, then I, I don't know. I'm not buying it because he's he's more than a superhero already. Mm. The guy's like proven himself over and over. Sure. Uh, sure, they were on the other side of the law for a while, but you know, who cares about that when the fucking world ends? Yeah. You know, I don't think that would have mattered much. But that's just one thing. The other thing at the very end was, well, maybe that's a couple of things. The the very ending where he's kind of scolding the the senator. Right. And he's like, you got to do better, senator. <laughs> You gotta yeah, do yeah. better. <laughs> like, uh... I, I, they, yeah, they, 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 that's that's a scene with a very thin line because there's <laughs> he says and, and and it's like the line of the whole thing for me. And I thought that they should have done it, but when he says in that scene, um, every time I pick up this shield, I know millions will hate me for it, and I thought fucking brilliant like just in light of everything that was happening in the states i loved that line but mm. you're right when it goes into you guys need to do better it's like ah you you know you went one too far <laughs> 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 this is now this is parody now um but i loved that line about every time i pick up the shield there were pe- millions will hate me for it because yeah. of because of who he is the color of his skin representing captain america and i it, to, to gloss over that um would have been probably a bit foolish but and mm. that as a line i felt was the only thing that you needed to say um but to me that was that was massively impactful and i thought it was a brilliant line yeah and then went into the history of like the what's the forgotten super soldier sure um, yeah yeah i can't remember his name but um yeah he has another brilliant line of no self-respecting black man would want to be captain america uh, mm. and that's another fantastic line um again in light of what was happening in the states at that time Mm. yeah so it's it's definitely playing a little bit into yeah, what, what's happening in the current world like current world politics and, and stuff like that which is fine um i just i don't know sometimes the the message comes across a little hollow when it's coming Preachy. from hollywood yeah but, sure. and sometimes it works you know when it works it works so if it works for some but not others then you know i think it's a lot of that's got to do with some fatigue on, on part of the audience when they're starting to not be able to tell genuine sort of um expression of that versus just some hollow sort of virtue signal i guess right but, yeah otherwise um the, the only other main sort of issue i had was the villain um being played by this small redheaded waif right um <laughs> covered in freckles right like looked like pippi longstocking <laughs> and i'm pretty sure she pops up in like the han solo movie too as like a bad boss leader of some oh, like right. uh leader of those like group of like desert renegades or whatever well, she would have um, been about 12 in that movie wouldn't she i have no idea but she's she's played <laughs> this kind of character before where she's like um super strong 
that she's like a super soldier strength person. Mm. Um, but in the comics, uh, it's a big burly dude. Oh, so okay. they've uh, gender swapped her, gender swapped that character for the actual show. Mm. Um, beefed her up. That, that's not that's not problematic at all. The problem is that she murders a whole bunch of innocent people. Um, bombs a building and with no regard for hurting innocent people. Mm. But the show and even Sam himself tries so fucking hard to make her sympathetic and to make, to try to get to her. Just like, I I still understand you and why you're doing this. Like motherfucker, she's already killed a bunch of people. (laughs) What are you doing? Just saddling up to her all like cozy and trying to befriend her and reason Mm. with her and shit. Like, this bitch has broken the fucking cardinal sin and you need to do something about it. Not fucking talk to her. She's mm. a villain. But she was like, even at the very end, she she finally gets killed. He picks her up and flies her into that group of senators at the end, like some kind of like Jesus, like descending from the sky. I'm like, right. oh my God, what what are they doing? And he's like, look, you know, this happened because of us. I'm like, no, she bombed a whole building <laughs> when she didn't need to, to prove a point about something, about her politics, and she killed a bunch of innocent people in the process and didn't care. Uh, she's a cold-ass mm. villain. So what I had a problem with at the very end was the mixed morality messaging going on. Right. I get the attempt at what they were trying to do because what Sam was trying to do was a very Captain America and to, in the spirit um, of Cap, you know, OG yeah. Cap, you know, to try and actually rise above certain situations and reason when possible and use violence as a last resort. Um, But she had already committed a crime that was worthy of him taking physical action and not waddling around trying to reason with her and talk to her, which then resulted Mm -hmm. in the death of, um, you know, that other agent, uh, what's oh gosh, the the sidekick, yeah, yeah, Agent Agent Walker's partner. I think his his yeah. name was Battlestar or something. Oh wow, he had some kind of name like that. Um, okay, he he's actually a character in the comics too. Uh, mm. So he's got a bit of a history in the comics. They introduced him for like an episode, <laughs> and, and then he died. <laughs> he's in a couple. Well, I mean, it's a, what it was like. Five six episodes anyway, but I think he's in a couple. But oh like, yeah, because they were chasing them be. across country. Yeah, yeah, maybe a couple. Yeah. But you're right. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah. So some changes and shit that they made. Yeah. Um, don't know why, but they're not always for the better. Um, but overall, I think it was largely inoffensive. The show and I, I did. <laughs> I love seeing them two together because yeah. If you ever watch those videos of the press junket tours, where it's just right. like. I've watched hours of it just because it's fucking hilarious where it's just like um, Mackie um, and what's his, I'm forgetting all the names today. The Sebastian guy who plays Stan, yeah. Sebastian Stan, yeah. So those two on, on their on their press tours, they're so fucking funny, man. <laughs> and they got that, they got a proper bro, uh, bro vibe, like the actual, their friends. Mm. So that chemistry really came to the screen in their show. I yeah. love that aspect of it. I'd watch anything those two are in. Mm. Zemo killed it, even though they retconned his character as well. Right. Um, Zemo had his moment in the club. Yeah. Know, dance moment. That became yeah. a huge meme. <laughs> yeah. Marvel looped it. Did you see on their, their channel? They yeah, did a loop of it. An hour. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Is, That's pretty I'm only sick. 28 minutes in, but I don't want to know how it ends yet. But um... 
<laughs> Wait, you haven't watched it all yet? I haven't got to the end yet. No, only about 28 oh, minutes. Okay. <laughs> oh, shit. I didn't know that, man. I was all talking all spoiler. Fucking I know. <laughs> you didn't <laughs> tell me. <laughs> Are you saying he's still dancing at the end? Because if you're going to tell me that, you've ruined the entire thing. <laughs> well, that's the whole episode. It was a bonus episode. Um, I won't spoil it. Okay. But he's dancing at the end. He's still dancing. <laughs> that sounds like a, a direct spoiler, but that's okay. I won't spoil it, but he's still dancing. You are a dancing queen. <laughs> supple and lean. Wait, that's not how it goes. Is that the words? It's not supple and lean, is it? I don't, I don't think so, but God, that's good. Only 17. Supple. supple and lean. Only su- <laughs> supple and lean, only 17. That's like wrong in so many different... <laughs> so many different jurisdictions. It's, wrong in. Um, it's definitely not supple. I'm making that up, but I'm curious what it is now. So that's <laughs> Dancing Queen. How do I Don't forget this? all about your hoes. No, that's not my <laughs> <laughs> um you are the dancing queen young and sweet only and 17 sweet. supple and lean though dude yeah that's supple, <laughs> supple and lean you know it sounds like a pretty cool hip-hop duo from the 80s yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> supple and lean you know what i mean well, I'm supple, I'm lean. <laughs> oh my god, there's that like back and forth rhyme. Oh, one of that's... them's named supple, one of them's named lean. Oh like, god, that's good. I'm supple, I'm lean. And with a mean machine, and we're coming together to the bird of In 17. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you're just rapping the dancing queen lyrics. <laughs> Oh, you well, could dance, no. you could jive, have the time of your life. Oh, see the girl, watch the scene. I'm a hammer hood, they could dance a queen. Well, Friday night and the lights are low. Look it up, what, what a place to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this is you gold. Could, that actually is rappable, dude. I'm looking at the words now. Where they play the rap music at noon to swing. You come to look. Farber King. <laughs> Anybody could be that guy. Not as young as the music's high. Yeah. That works. Wow. That does. That's beautiful. Wow. That's pretty cool. Oh, man. DJ <laughs> Supple and MC Lean. I love it. <laughs> it's almost as good as the idea 20 years ago with a mate of mine where it was... Um, uh, DJ Diplodocus and <laughs> MC Brontosaurus. Oh, but then good. like Dip Diplo happened and that's what he was oh, named after. Otherwise so, you were yeah. you were set, right? Yeah. Man. <laughs> that fucking Diplo always stealing my shine. Sound like Grandpa Simpson now. <laughs> Diplo. Fucking the bane of my existence, Diplo. He's just like he's just like he's just always on the fringe of my perception. He's just there <laughs> on the on the corner of my street. I'll be walking, I'll turn around and I hear like <laughs> Diplo, Diplo music playing. Oh, Which I actually like Diplo, by the way. You should um he had an album called Florida that I think you should hear, which is 
actually a really fucking good album that he put out okay. like 20, 20 years ago because he used to do beats like he wasn't just like techno, techno kind of yeah. guy or house or whatever he he proper did like some pretty ill beats programming wise and production wise um pretty sick i'd recommend it hmm. yes i think i have one diplo song and it's a remix of the california soul um Oh gosh, mm. the old kind of Motowny. It's not Motown, but um, Cal- California Soul, California, California soul. Love. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not it. That's not it. No, no. Like a ragtime version of California. <laughs> no, like um, hang on. Oh, I'll look it up now. But um, yeah, it's a bit dancey. Mm. But, well, yeah. I mean, his version. He does a lot of that. Obviously. Yeah. California Soul. What's that? Like, um, Marlena Shaw. There you go. Marlena Shaw, California Soul. Uh, he uh, has a, okay, okay. a remix of that. Marlena Shaw, of course. Um, yeah, that's my only Diplo song. Did he do stuff for Usher as well? Yeah, he kind of broke into the mainstream for a while. Yeah. And he did a really awesome project. Uh, actually, him and I forget the other guy it was a DJ something. Um, maybe it's not A Track. Someone else. Uh, he collaborated with and made major laser um oh yes and that first major laser album is the bomb ah okay the bomb sick freaking album that one right yeah amazing major laser uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh-uh. no a lot of him his music's passed me by but um uh, but now I know it, I, I certainly won't be exploring it. Now I know the detriment it has caused to your own career yeah. as DJ Diplodocus. Diplodocus. Are you a Diplodocus <laughs> or Diplodocus? Diplodocus. I grew up uh, Diplodocus just because uh-huh. it was fun to say. And then the harsh, mean world kept fucking yeah. correcting me as I got older. Yeah. No, it's a Diplodocus. Diplodocus. Like, Fuck you, you snooty motherfucker. <laughs> It's Diplodocus, mate. It's Diplodocus, mate. Um, anything else we need to touch on? Um, on Thor's well, Love and Thunders? My only thing I'd like to make mention of, uh, I guess the future for him. I know we've talked about, I mean, it's... You know, you, you've said before about having a more Logan-esque uh, reset. It's going to be a harsh. That's like from 10 to 1. So mm. I, it's going to have to be a, a much smoother transition to get yeah. there. But I know they have, obviously, they have set up a, a, another installment with uh, Zeus wanting uh, revenge and sending Hercules out. So it looks like he will return. Um uh, I think uh, ultimately, with all due respect to Taika, I think it's the right decision that it appears he will not be a part of the project. Uh, yeah. And as as a, as a, again as a final final note, you know, as as I mentioned earlier, the one thing about Love and Thunder I really like is that, as we said over the course of what eight movies, Thor has dealt with massive losses, so it's mm. lovely at the end to see him get something earn something have something that he loves at the end of it even though it's mm. you know as a surrogate father to to gore's child and it's it was there was a quite a nice moment at the end of the film to see 
like you know him say i love you and she says it back and they go off together and i thought that was nice it was it was a really nice moment of for the character to to have to have i would say earned something i don't think they needed to earn it as such but to to have achieved that almost you know i definitely agree with that i didn't mind the sappy happy ending that mm-hmm. it got uh that he got because at least it was something yeah uh positive for sure yeah awesome so you're you're looking ahead to a thor 5 you'll be happy to see one or... <laughs> man i think even hemi uh he expressed surprise when he saw the end credits and it said thor will return right um, <laughs> i read that yeah yeah and he's even recently uh kind of been putting the message out there that you know he's he's always treated like this one could be his last one you know mm. he, he doesn't know when the last one could be it would be a real shit to end on this one he i think he'd have to come back just to if he's going to actually wrap up his character it needs to be a thor focused story that's focused on wrapping up his character it yeah. can't deviate it can't do this or do that you can still make it part of canon like i said make it um far flung into the future where it's beyond all this shit and uh, make it about him and his journey or keep it within the same continuity but still put him on a journey um that's going to take him somewhere he doesn't have to die. I certainly don't mm. think you have to kill him off to give him a hero's ending. He can just, you know, fuck off somewhere else. <laughs> Maybe yeah. go to another realm, you know? <clears throat> like, <coughs> excuse me. Like, he's if he's attains a, a level of godhood where he should be able to zip around wherever the hell he likes, especially with Stormbreaker. Mm. Um, Stormbreaker obviously has that much power, uh, which is why Gore was after it. Uh, to fulfill his plan um, to go see eternity and yeah. <laughs> gra- and get granted one wish. Gee, uh wonder when that would have come in handy um, yeah. <laughs> for the heroes or the villains. Maybe yeah. Thanos could have gone straight there instead and yeah. just made a wish. <laughs> this is one of the things that's really damaging with the way they're writing phase four. They're introducing this massive fucking things that you have to really explain properly as to why it wasn't known up till this point. Mm. If it's some huge thing, it's like, man, you're just introducing it because you want it in the thing now, but you have no way of really justifying how nobody noticed this or that. You know, it's uh, you have to explain it somehow, but yeah. um, it's yeah. never really, <laughs> it's never, you can't do that because it nullifies everything that comes before when you introduce like more effective things or more effective ways of achieving things. Um, that they introduced later. And then Kang's timeline is a bit problematic for some fans because it, it effectively takes away free will. Everything is just part of that particular timeline and it's kept by a Kang or the one who remains. Mm. Um, there's some, yeah, there's some, some weird issues and cracks in phase four that I think affect um, this film and there needs to be a turnaround the the leadership at Disney that's affecting MCU content, it needs to be um, reconsidered mm. and be less frequent and more yeah. uh, focus on quality. Take your time, tell the stories you want to tell, <clears throat> but at least do yourself a favor, do the audience a favor, and put your heart and soul into it like we used to. We used to get the content that had a heart and soul, had a had a message, an intent, a proper story arc. Um you know, we miss those things. 
So uh, I think the the way forward for Thor is one one of the many suggestions we've given already, and I think a more mature take to reflect everything he's been through and his age, because he's not he's not a young doofus man. Like he's he's old. He's already been around for like a thousand plus years. Yeah, he's he's really he's had his maturation process, I guess, through the MCU. So really, at this point, he shouldn't really be too goofy. Although you can probably explain that away by saying it's a coping mechanism for the trauma. He's yeah, well, Endgame to me was that, though, wasn't it? Because he right. was drunk for most of it, in theory. And yeah. I didn't, I, I don't know, when I first saw Endgame, I laughed so hard at him. I thought he was hilarious. But the, every mm. time I've watched it since, I don't laugh at it. No. You know, I look at him as like, this. he's a tortured dude and you know, you, yeah and that's my one probably gripe with with the writing on endgame where the other characters are aren't acknowledging like it's kind of like he do needs a hug you know and you're just sort of looking at him like oh look at this weirdo it's like well i mean yeah. look at the transformation that he's gone through clearly he's carrying a hell of a burden uh you guys need to be buds man <laughs> you need to be yeah. good friends and give him a hug so um, cold yeah cold shoulder so I don't I don't look at him as as goofy in Endgame. Um, you know, obviously, it was just him, like you said, coping with everything that had kind of happened um, up to that point, and him bearing that responsibility. He blames himself for a lot of it, and um, yeah, great doesn't performance. Come, I think doesn't it come down to fat shaming though? Because that's what they were going for. They weren't playing up the fact that he was super depressed. They we knew that he was, but we we laughed in the cinema because that's what they intended for us to do. Yeah. When we first saw his gut, we yeah. all laughed. Ha ha ha. Fat Thor. Look at him. He's fat. Like what the fuck <laughs> are they trying to say? <laughs> I don't, well, I mean, in their minor defense, I don't necessarily think we're laughing <laughs> at the fact he is that as fat. I think we're laughing at the shock of mm. Hemsworth being a picture of perfection. And there's no one that was watched that would, that would have expected what you had seen it was just the absolute shock of it and yeah. I, I as opposed to us laughing at you know i do know that i do remember and i thought it was maybe a bit unjustified but they they gave some comments to was it they oh, there was like a cheese whiz line i think don Cheadle says it like he refers to he says something like oh it's running through my veins and he goes well i thought it was just cheese whiz or something like that right running through yeah. your veins and there was a couple of comments which sort of drew um uh you know negative like well that wasn't necessary that wasn't necessary and i thought wow that's very it's very sensitive i thought response to it um but yeah the the i think it was more of a shock of look at this transformation from Mm. um glorious picture perfect hemsworth to to you know he's just let everything go he doesn't care about anything anymore but and and i could have lived with that if they only made him somewhat like integral to the fucking final battle like he he got off the blocks really really strong you know when he when the cap said assemble and he just went rah and fucking screams and they go charging and that's all great well and good but he just gets his ass handed to him almost immediately he almost gets killed almost gets killed by thanos with his own fucking axe (laughs) i'm like come on man like i get he's still recovering from everything but yeah it's five years of not thor though isn't it so yeah but all it did was serve to make him that and he's he's ineffective in the final battle like it's Mm. it's not satisfying to see really so Um, yeah no i i I do yeah i do understand i guess for me it was the fact that he got he got in it 
Do you know what I mean? I think it yeah. was for yeah. me. I, I looked at him. His demon was picking up those weapons and and having the opportunity to rectify what had happened and addressing yeah. it and not running from it. So I looked at that as the victory. But for me, totally understand with what you're saying. But for me, the moment I kept waiting for that never happened was for mm. lame-ass Professor Hulk to emerge from the rubble and see Thanos and mm. then Hulk takes over. Yeah, and like Banner's almost like, wait a minute, what are you doing? This isn't the deal. <laughs> and then Hulk is like, fuck you. I like you kicked the shit out of me before. <laughs> but he's obviously used the glove already. He's not going to be at 100%. Even when he was at 100%, he got his arms yeah. handed to him. But for that Hulk to have overcome that fear, because that's, you know, he spent Infinity War, like, no, I won't come out. And I thought, yeah. oh, but the payoff in Endgame will be awesome. Never happened. And that yeah. was so unsatisfying for me. We all expected that too. Yeah. It was like, oh, rematch, he's got to come back and like he's got to come back and hit him hard somehow and yeah. actually have a rematch. But nope. I know, but it was the three of them against him. And I thought Hulk would just, Professor Hulk as such, would emerge from the rubble and see him and just the anger would just mm. boil to the forefront and he would have just gone. And the, oh my God, the pop from the. The cinema would have been amazing, but no, oh, yeah, it's I think an ongoing issue with trying to get like hugely overpowered characters and always finding reasons to make them underpowered, yeah, yeah. or putting them in places away from the action where they're doing something else. Otherwise, yeah. if they come and step in, like when Captain Marvel just shows up, it's fucking game yeah. over. Yeah. She's the most <laughs> superpowered, overpowered uh, person that they have in the whole yeah. pantheon you see what she can do in like five in like a few minutes she's already yeah. like obliterated his ship um but yeah like if you have her f- there from the beginning there's no fight there's no yes, story exactly, yeah. so <laughs> they gotta they gotta nerf them somehow and that's mm. why that's why i brought up that point with thor not that i didn't understand the journey they were putting him on i didn't even i, I liked it too like i respected mm. what they were trying um <clears throat> But there was an element of nerfing his power to me that really gets annoying, especially yeah. after he reached Ragnarok stage yeah. of power. And yeah. we saw more of that in Infinity War. And then it's just like, no, it's back down to like, you know, he's back down to in the dumps and he's got to re- rebuild himself again yeah. kind of deal. So it's, and it's a yeah. huge still reliance now again on, on those weapons as well, which I, they've almost said he doesn't need them. Well, um, he's, but, yeah, he's, uh, he's God of hammers and axes apparently yeah. that want to <laughs> suck his dick. <laughs> He's the god of inanimate objects that want to just blow him off because he's he's the god of those objects and getting blown off by those objects. Uh, sounds like the perfect finish for the episode. <laughs> it does, the episode. yeah. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yes, it does. And here come those fucking, um, what do you call those? Uh, what were we talking about in the beginning of the... <laughs> uh, uh, the, I don't know. Winston? Was like, no, jerking <laughs> off, remember? Oh my gosh, Mando, we went full circle. A Mando. Just like, <laughs> just like the Mandos, yeah. We went full circle jerk like the Mandos went <laughs> when they stand in circle jerk. Uh, <laughs> this is the way, dude. Officially, that's the cutoff shot. That's done. Like the episode has just ended. That's the, this that's is what, the way. That's what, that's what Mando said. <laughs> <laughs> and baby Yoda wakes up and like starts lifting him up in the air. <laughs> He's like, hey, put me down, but I can't stop. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Oh, God. It's just, a, it's just a floating, rotating Mando that's jerking off into the sky. 
<laughs> there you go, Disney. I just wrote your opening episode, season three. Where's me monies? Cook the man some eggs. You know what I mean? That's the saying. Like pay, pay me, pay me, bitch. Like pay me my money, Disney. It's like cook the man some eggs. <laughs>